0: Okie doke. Welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, let's have a word of prayer and we will get started. Uh, Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for sunshine outside. Thank you for this food that has been provided for us. I do pray that you'll bless it and always keep people safe as they go about their work here at Kimray and show us how to be a blessing to each other and lift each other up and encourage each other throughout the day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> come in, come in. Save a seat for you. Hey, Rico. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We've been talking about God's plan for man, and it's real simple. He told us in the very beginning He to make man in His image. Well, there's been some problems along the way. Not that God caused, but one of the ways I like to think about it Um, if we're going to be, we'll never be God, okay? So making us like himself doesn't mean returning us into gods because he will always be God and we will always not be God. But what he's doing is he's developing in us um, beings that have the ability to display what God is like, um, to be loving and kind, to be honest, and faithful, and those kind of things. Now, God is that way all by himself. He doesn't need anybody to make him that way or help him be that way. He just is. Um, We, on the other hand, need help. Uh, We were never intended to live apart from God. That would be like you make a car run on gasoline and you work real hard at getting it to not need gasoline ever again. Well, that'd be cool, but it just won't work because it was made and created dependent on gasoline or diesel, whatever it runs on. Electricity nowadays, right? Some of them. It's, it, it's dependent upon a power source. Well, man is like that. We're dependent upon God. Um, he didn't create beings to be independent from Him. Um, He created us to be dependent. It's a simple statement. Well, he knew that in order for that to be, in reality, a true thing that he does and accomplishes, he had to give us certain things that were inherently um, risky. And one of those, and it's a real hotly debated item between some churches and denominations, does man have the ability to choose or not? Is there a free will or not? I'm of the opinion we do have the ability to choose. I can make choices. What I can't do is choose the consequences of my choices. I can't choose to do, you know, whatever I want to and pick from a menu of of consequences. Okay, I want to reject God and go to heaven. Well, that doesn't work. (laughs) You know, I want to uh, be mean to everybody around me and everybody love me. Well, that doesn't work either. You know, there's, there's, there's certain consequences that go with choices. So he gave man choices like, don't eat from this tree. But he didn't tell them that it was impossible for them to eat from the tree. They had a choice to eat from that certain tree or not, and they chose to do it. And the root of that choice was lack of trust in God, lack of faith. They didn't believe what he said. You know, Eve said, well, the serpent deceived me. You know, she chose to believe what the serpent said rather than what God said. Okay, so that's still the same thing. It's it's a choice to trust. It said, for instance, when she looked at the tree, she saw that it was good for food, a delight to the eyes, and desirable to make man wise. Well, it probably was a nice-looking tree. You know, she, she'd seen other trees, and this looked as good as the rest of them. And you can eat it, so it must be good for food. It's got fruit on it. Because they told him, you know, you can have any fruit from any of the trees except that one. But she decided that one was probably okay. But desirable to make you wise, eh, not so much, right? Uh, Eating from that didn't make them wise. And he said, if you'll eat from it, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Okay. So, when they ate from the tree... If you pause right there and back up to the sixth day when God created Adam and Eve and he finished making man, he said he finished his work and he rested on the seventh and he made them in his image. So they were already like God. (laughs) So when they ate from the tree, it didn't make them like God. It took away their God likeness. The image of God in them was distorted because of that. All right. So that is an introduction to, um, I left my clicker. Back here, it's an introduction to what I want to talk about today. And I want you to real to say in your mind before I get started. Well. There's a little red device somewhere that when you push the button that changes. Anyway. What we're going to talk about today is sin. Now, you know, we've all heard preachers talk about it, and they they make us feel really bad for sinning. And I'm not saying we should feel good when we sin. But sin was not something that God was unaware was coming our way. He knew... I bet he even knows where the red thing is, but I can't find it. <laughs> um, no, that's a pair of red-handled scissors. Hey, Bob, can you sit back there by the computer, and when I give you a signal, hit the the down arrow, you know, those four little arrows in the corner? Just take your food with you and eat back there. That is weird. I thought I saw it a while ago. Wait a minute. Maybe this black one will work. That's not the one. There it is. Thanks anyway. Um, sin is a problem, but God knew that there was going to be a sin problem before He ever started. In, um, in Scripture, it tells us in one place that the lamb who was slain, Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So, before God ever said, Let there be light, before he ever created the world and everything in it and us, he already knew that in order to finish what he started, Jesus was going to have to die in order to solve our problem caused by sin. All right, so that's really important. Here in 1 Peter, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your feudal way of life you inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. All right, so the redemption of mankind was not bulls and goats and the bloods of sacrifices, it was with the blood of his own son. And he knew this is a cost he was going to have to pay before he ever started. Um, God counted the cost. Are you familiar with the story in Matthew when Jesus talks about, you know, if anyone builds a tower, will he not first count the cost so that when he's building, if he gets half done basically and can't finish, people will make fun of him. We all count the cost first. I've done that building houses and things. And a couple of times I've got it wrong. And I felt kind of foolish, you know, because I didn't pay attention to this or that. Um, so you always want to count the cost. Well, God knew the cost before he ever started. He knew what it would cost him, the investment he would have to make to finish the project. Uh, in Luke 14, it says, for which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down, calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it, So you see, if God would instruct us to count the cost, wouldn't it be kind of hypocritical or foolish for him not to do that? Yeah. So when he started the project, let us make man in our image, he already knew everything it was going to cost him or that he was going to have to invest to finish what he started. So the blood of Christ is not an afterthought. I think I felt that way for years, like, okay, God started something and it went wrong, so he had to come up with plan B, so like Jesus was plan B. He had to come up with some other way to try to get this done. And you and I might do that because we don't understand what it's going to take to get from here to there. You know, we're fixing the car or whatever. And we got in there and we thought it was something really simple and it was actually something really big. <laughs> right? Um, and we didn't know what it was going to cost us. You know, but that's not God. He always knew ahead of time what it was going to cost for him to complete it. And that tells me that if sin wasn't an immovable object to God, it's not to us. Now, we can't deal with it ourselves. For instance, one place it says, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Another place it says, for if a law could have been written that would have made man righteous, then Christ died needlessly. If there was actually some rule we could keep that would have made us right before God, or some group of rules, then Christ didn't need to die. But the deal is, there was no set of rules, not even the Mosaic law could make you righteous before God. Like it says, by works of law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You know, I've talked in the past, you know, I got some new people here. I'll remind y'all of what I said about, you know, if I thought about the law, it's like lights. You know, if they turn the lights out and I had a dirty shirt on, you wouldn't know it, and I wouldn't know it. But if we turn the lights on, and all of a sudden all that dirt shows up, okay. Well, that's what the law did. Man was not clean before God, but we have a we have a way of kind of convincing ourselves. Well, I'm as good as the next guy, right? You know, when I get to heaven, God's going to weigh my good works against my bad works. And I think my good works will outweigh my bad works. Well, the only thing he's looking for is perfection. (laughs) The complete absence of bad works. Well, if that's what he's looking for, all of us are busted. So what happened was when he sent Jesus to die, when we accept him, receive him, there's a lot of words in the Bible, believe in him, that talk about this thing that happens. What happens is he makes an exchange with us. Our sin went to the cross with him and he gives us his righteousness as a gift. Um, Philippians 3 said, Paul says, I gave up whatever I thought was gained to me because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Indeed, I've suffered the loss of all things in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law." But the righteousness from God, which comes on the basis of faith. So Paul gave up and he was the Pharisee of Pharisees as the law blameless. You couldn't point at anything and say, you broke the law right there. But he realized he had to give all of that up because our righteousness is his filthy rags and trade that for something else. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And as a good Jew, he should have known this because what did it say? about Abraham, the father of the nation. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or counted, accredited, considered to be true about him, that he was righteous. Not on the basis of works. He just believed God. Now, he did some things that displayed the fact that he believed God, but those were the result of believing, not the cause of believing. They were the result of being accepted by God by faith, not the cause of being accepted by God by faith. All right, so God knew what was going to happen. He knew we'd blow it. He already had a plan before he ever started. That'd be like, Hugh, if we decided, let's drive from here to Washington, D.C. And somehow or other, we knew ahead of time, we're going to have a flat tire somewhere around Nashville. But you know what we'd do? Make sure we had a spare. We would provide a good spare tire before we ever left. See, God knew there was going to be a flat tire, and He already provided the the remedy. You know, the Bible says, "God, at the right time, sent His Son, born of woman, under the law, that He might redeem those from under the law." So He, He, at the right time, He He knew there was a time somewhere in the middle of the process. You know, the tire didn't blow out in the driveway before we left. He knew it was going to blow out about halfway there, and that's when He's going to have to fix it. Well. God sent his son at the right time to deal with our our sin problem. All right, so what is sin? It's really simple. It's faithlessness. It's just simply not trusting God. What does it say in the scripture? Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So I could do religious-looking stuff, even Bible-looking stuff, like Paul was doing. But he was the chief of all sinners. You know? He said, I I don't know, what God chose me so that in the chief of all sinners, the grace of God would be even more evident. Right, because um, even if we're doing good, I'll give you, for instance, at the judgment, the Bible talks about that there will be people who say, but Lord, look at what we did. We healed the sick, we cast out demons, we did many miracles in your name. And he says, depart from them, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Sinners. Well, it wasn't because they didn't do good stuff, they did good stuff. It was about faith. You know, I can do good stuff to build my own reputation, to um, try to make a name for myself. And we could go into that, you know, like the Tower of Babel. They're going to build this big tower to make a name for themselves. And God said, Oh, that's really cool. Let's confuse their languages so they can't finish because we're not here to build a name for ourselves. We're here to build God's name and to display his character. And so he has a different agenda than you and I do. Okay, and that agenda only involves on our side, faith. That I trust God to such an extent that his character is now being displayed through me. Now, here's the deal. If you're a child of God, your father is really good at it. And you're not. (laughs) It's like when you're growing up, you know, if your dad knew how to, Hit the baseball or fix the car or whatever, and you're just kind of losing the tools and you know doing a little whirly gig with the bat and never hitting anything. It doesn't mean you're crummy. It just means you're young and immature, and you need to grow up, which just takes time. And your dad will help you. Well, the same thing is true with God. Uh, he's our Father, and whom the Lord loves, He disciplines and trains and corrects that we might share His holiness. It talks about in Hebrews 11. And so this whole thing about faith trusting him. I I have found that my struggles in life seem to be the worst when I kind of know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I know how God would have me treat my wife or react to the lady behind the checkout counter that's dissing me right at the moment, you know, (laughs) whatever's going on, something's, you know, I'm going, man, do I have this sign over my head? Total idiot, showing no respect at all. What is the deal? (laughs) I'm just trying to get a hamburger here. You know, okay, well, how does he want me to act towards that person behind the counter? Do they want me to be tacky? Yeah, probably not. Maybe kind. Oh, be kind to your enemies. You know, pray for those. You know, maybe she's having a bad day, and I just happened to walk in on that moment when she just found out that, you know, her baby's at school and sick, and she didn't know how to get there to pick it up because she's supposed to be at work and the boss won't let her off, and she's just. And I just happen to be the one who catches the the blowback from that moment in her life. Or maybe it's not a moment in her life. Maybe it's been years of some kind of abuse or disrespect on her side. And she didn't know how to give anything back to anybody else, but what she's always gotten her her whole life. You know, Jesus encountered people who had varied backgrounds, major difficulties, and he showed them kindness and forgiveness. Yeah. Instruction. You know, when the woman was caught in adultery, he said, I don't condemn you, but don't do that anymore. You know, he just gave her some instructions. Uh, did, was he naive to believe that she'd never be tempted again? Well, no, I doubt that, you know, but he, he gave her an encouragement, you know, in that moment. So, a scripture to go with this, uh, or just some ideas. One way of faithlessness or not trusting is just not trusting God okay i don't trust what he says another way that is exposed is trusting uh, ideas other than god's so i trust god and this guy over here or this idea over here and sometimes i find myself weighing god's ideas against the world's ideas guess which one tends to make more sense the world i've been living in the world all my life and god's ideas are kind of weird you know, love your enemies. You know, give away. You know what you have, even if you don't have enough. And I'll take care of you. And okay, so I'm. Okay, so I think I'll trust what feels right to me. Well, that always gets me in trouble one way or another. It never really works out. Uh, sin is not necessary, but God knew it was coming, so He prepared for it. And I'm really kind of running out of time here, but real quickly, I want to say this. You know. We're aware that there's problems in our lives and other people's lives around us. Um, but God knows the end from the beginning, it says right here. Um, he declares the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that have not been done. So he knows ahead of time this stuff's coming. Right? So it's not taking him by surprise. In fact, he grabs a hold of that and uses it for our good. That's Romans 8.28. And 8.30 says, he also predestined us to be just... To be made in his image and whom he predestined, he called, justified, and glorified. All right? So God is still doing what he's doing. He will finish what he started, and sin's not a problem to him. It's it's a curve in the road, it's the bridge is out, it's a problem for us, but he knows how to recalculate and get us to the destination in spite of sin and help us grow in the process so that we become more like him in the way we live our life every day. Not more saved but more able to live out our salvation. All right. I kind of ran a couple rabbit trails and ran myself short on time. But anyway, appreciate you guys coming. I'll let you get back to work. See you next week.